Hello, my name is Larry Lannon, the writer behind the local Fishers Indiana news blog, LarryInFishers.com. I started the blog in January of 2012, and it is still going. Four years after that, in 2016, I started the LarryInFishers.com podcast series featuring guests of local interest. That podcast is still going strong. Now, if you like the podcast and are listening on a platform such as iTunes, you'll just take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. It's time now for the latest LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers, the Ignite lower floor. We're in the AV room recording today. If you've not had a tour of the Ignite space, I would recommend you come down here and one of the librarians would be happy to do that for you. My guest is Todd Zimmerman. He's the president of the Fisher City Council. Todd, I was looking back over the past year and realized last time I talked to you, I think, as council, when you first became council president in January, we were looking at the year coming up. Correct. We're now in December. The year's drawing to a close. So we want to talk about a lot that's happened in the last year. My goodness, has there been a lot. But I want to talk about the elephant in the room first. You posted on social media that you were unsure about whether you wanted to run for another term on the Fisher City Council. You've been on the council as long as Fishers has been a city. You ran in 2014, took office in 2015. You've been there ever since. So have you made a decision on a re-election campaign? Yeah, so Larry, it was, if you had asked me this question about 12 months ago, <laughs> I would have told you I would seriously doubt I would run. It was The COVID years were tough. It was, it was very difficult uh, for myself, not just me, obviously, for the community, for those on the council, anybody an elected official, anybody serving in any capacity because it was just so tumultuous. And, um, but I can tell you that I have seen momentum gain again, and I think some people get it in the right senses. So um, I'm excited. I want to see – I feel like a couple years were stolen there. I mean just – Nobody's fault, just it's what happened. But uh, so I want to see some things through. So I'll announce today that uh, I am seeking reelection um, so for uh, during for the 2024. Um, uh, um, the 23 election. 23 election and 24, 24 through 27, <laughs> I believe it is. But yes, for the 23 election cycle, I'll be seeking reelection. And you admitted that there were times in the past year where you were unsure about that. What tipped the scale? Why did you decide to run again? I want to see things through to finish. And uh, there's so many wonderful things that are going on that I want to make sure that I see the you know rec center, or that, that'll be coming down the pike here soon, um, the arena uh, got a, a wonderful opportunity to meet with the Andretti family and just so excited about that development. There's so many things that I want to see come to fruition. I have questions on all those yeah, things. That's great. So yeah. let's, let's take a deep dive. You know, I wrote a piece for my blog recently where I was trying to get my head around the number of $1 billion with a B because that it's more than a billion dollars uh, investment in this city that's been announced over its 
uh, the Andretti came first and the rest came later. I had to miss that uh, groundbreaking for Andretti. I'm sorry I did. In fact, I talked to Ashley Elrod in the, from the PR staff. She goes, oh, you missed a good one. And I saw a lot of pictures. You apparently have made uh, some new best friends with the Andretti family. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that, but we definitely I heard uh, Mario uh, Andretti was sharing his a little bit. He shared it from the stage, and then I asked him a couple of questions when I got to personally meet him just about his childhood. And it's amazing, the story of – of you know World War II aftermath and and um, you know his family being refuge in a refugee camp in Italy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of that. I was ignorant to that. And just the and he said the United States gave him the opportunity to create and be an entrepreneur and see what's mm-hmm. happened. I mean, just amazing, kind of coming uh, to fruition. And I never, never would have dreamed of Fishers. You know, the, the years that I've lived here. Moving here in 89, as you know very well, when I was a teenager, and seeing this come to fruition and seeing Andretti Global choose Fishers. Well, I think Michael lives in the area, and that had something does, to do. with yes. Another yes. thing, people started asking me, you know, it's close to Ritchie Woods. Isn't that a bad thing to have some kind of auto racing shop right next to a, a wilderness area? And I dug into that, and the Andretti family is actually very interested in wildlife, and they wanted their headquarters to be close to Ritchie Woods, and they were very much into preserving it and enriching that area. So if you thought, well, what are these these racers doing in Ritchie Woods? Well, the Andretti's have a whole different uh, view of that, so I don't think anybody should be concerned. Shouldn't be concerned in one bit. They've made a full commitment to uh, really help preserve the nature. Should be known that that's not just a racing shop. There's going to be a museum. There's going to be a, a, a restaurant there, and if uh, it, it's a big if, if the Andretti family will get a Formula One team, they're trying hard, but it's <laughs> the, the politics and, and economics of Formula One are beyond my ability to understand, but I know they're trying. That would be a part of the complex as well. This will become a destination in the month of May and really year-round. Yes, this, this, is, this is bigger than I think any of us can realize the the economic impact, but also just the putting fishers on the map continually as a as a destination for um, entrepreneurs, a destination for uh, families, a destination for entertainment. There's a whole host of things opening up, and that's why I want to see Larry. That's why I want to see this stuff come to fruition. You know, it's fun to be in the groundbreakings, but I want to see these fully functional going. You know, and most of this stuff will all be done in 2024. I think it may uh, Andretti may go to 25. It might be right early on, but yeah, but yeah, it'll be right around that time frame. A quick Mario Andretti story. I spent some months of May as a radio reporter covering the month of May at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And here's Mario Andretti, man who's won the race, sat on many poles, won the World Driving Championship. Yet, you know, he was always very easy to talk to. And there were some of the drivers that really didn't want to talk to you. AJ might be one, but uh, (laughs) for the use of initials. But, you know, he was always open and willing to talk to any reporter that he saw was legitimately working. And I talked to him many times, and he was just so gracious. And you don't find that in the race. His son was the same way. Don't find that in the racing world very often. So um, sorry I missed that, but uh, I'm glad you were able to be there. And that uh, I wanted people to know just what an important uh, 
development this will be for the city. It's not just a racing shop doing racing. They're going to have a much bigger uh, impl- implant imprint on the, on the city and, and, and the area, and it will be a destination regionally. And then Nickel Play Trail backing up right there. Yes. Their museum will be right off the trail. I mean, it's just going to be incredible. Well, I'm, I talked to the mayor, and he said, what about this? What He talks about all the number of developments that never would have happened had the trail not been there. Correct. Um, yeah. I want to talk about what's happening with the expansion of Fisher's District and the event center. Some people call it an arena. Uh, there was quite a bit of discussion, but you had, uh, 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 I think, a substantial vote. It wasn't unanimous, but most council members voted for the funding mechanism for that event center, including the food and beverage tax, which was somewhat controversial. But this uh, event center, arena, if you want to call it that, it can seat 8,500 for some events, 6,500 for others. Um, but I would like you to talk just a moment or two about the importance of getting that mechanism in place and what that will mean to the community to have this facility. Yeah, I I think it's profoundly important for our community to have a place to gather. We don't have that. You know, the the Fisher's state of the city addresses that the mayor gives, he has to give those in Noblesville Mm -hmm. because we don't have a facility that that can hold enough people uh graduation ceremonies so my own my oldest son when we went through graduation at the fairgrounds you know we're with the state fairgrounds so we'll be able to have host graduations for hsc fishers hsc schools uh so it goes far beyond hockey you know i know that was the big thing in the media was you know the fuel which is wonderful it's about 41 nights a year yes yes they'll take probably about i think 20 percent roughly Mm -hmm. operationally of of the facility but there's another 80 percent component and there's a whole host of things that we're exploring right now to 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 come into that i've talked to people who do bookings for all kinds of acts that come in and what I'm hearing from them is that this will be a facility that will draw lots of acts and will and and, and should draw a good crowd for them. So it's not just those events you talked about where you might have a mudsock basketball game there, for example, which you know can be very crowded at one of the high school yeah. gyms. But you can have uh, a, a, an event there which will also have an impact on that whole district. By the way, but there will be entertainment coming in there and and that first thing i wonder is is there enough entertainment out there to fill those dates and the feedback i'm getting from people in that business or you'll have no trouble finding acts to come in there yes and in addition to that think of high school and collegiate athletics and um who knows? I mean, just just there's there's just a lot there. Disney on ice. There's there's a lot of just different types of entertainment that will be able to be housed there. Uh, before I go, let me talk about the Fishers District itself because uh, you know I have to tell you, I talked to the mayor about this over the last two three years. You know, here we are. We have this wonderful restaurant center. You know, we have all these great restaurants, and I've visited most of them. You know, then we have a pandemic. Then they have to close down. And then they try to do what they can to do business with people picking it up and delivering it and that sort of thing. What I found amazing, and I think I'm right on this, during that pandemic, I believe all the restaurants that the original Fishers District survived and they're still there. That is a testament to the need, desire in our community for this and also for um, – you know, 
I don't know this is fact. This is something I just heard was some of their rent was forgiven for a few months to keep them there uh, during the height of the pandemic because it was it was it was scary times. I mean, you're we had just kind of rolled the dice in an educated way for this development, thinking this is you know this is the next step for Fishers. But whenever you take those steps, there's 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 a level of risk there, and then the pandemic hits, and literally just. I feel like it was just weeks after we opened. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but it, close, it's, yeah. it's, it was mm-hmm. very close to when when everything shut down right after we opened it. And and it is a testament. It's it, the community needed this. The community wanted this. And if you go there now, it's hard to find a parking spot. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. hard to find. You know, I mean, it it is busting at the seams. And that's why we we really saw this opportunity to expand the district. I like to call it the yard. I know that's not the official thing, but to expand the district uh, south, and and then have that event center in there um, is just is just going to be remarkable. And uh, you would expect the same sorts of restaurants and uh, retail outlets uh, in the expanded Fishers District. Yes, there's. I wish I could announce <laughs> things, Larry. You always ask me. You get these on these podcasts. I get that. Right look, I get that. You get that look on your face. I, like I, I wish I could. I tell really you. <laughs> would love to tell you some things. Um, it's exciting. I, I, it's it's um, nationally, you know, just different different types of of restaurants. That are that are nationally known, but you know, maybe not here okay. yet, and just different different retailers and stuff. So you're saying people will be excited. People will names. be very excited once they see those announcements, and then uh, once they experience those, because there may be some that are unique to another city that aren't unique here, and they'll have to go try that out. Something that has been talked about for months now. You've been right at the center of it. A new recreation center for the city of Fishers. We keep getting teases from the mayor that, okay, it's yes, coming. Yeah. And I know that uh, well, so just the cost of materials and labor and supply issues, I mean, the, the whole supply chain is, has not been back in, in, in any form of normality mm-hmm. yet. Uh, the pandemic is what, what caused all of that. So you've been at the center of this planning. Uh, how close are we to an announcement of this recreation center? Very close. So we've we're working actually this morning. I was working through some details uh, with the mayor, and um, we're we're nearing the opportunity for us to unveil to the public. Uh, but it, I would expect something probably January or February where mm-hmm. we'll be able to bring it forward to the council and and start the process. Because once the process starts. We want to move pretty quickly. Um, this is an amenity that the residents have uh, really asked asked for. And that survey that I sent out, yes, I, I, I don't that. beginning mm-hmm. of twenty one, I believe it was. Um, this checks the box of almost everything except one thing, Larry. The roller people want a roller skating rink. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know where that. There was there was multiple people that really wanted that, and I didn't know that that was something. Well, out we there. used to have roller skating rinks, and uh, commercially, they're just not around. I, I, yeah. yeah. So this, I'm sorry to say, okay. that will not be here. <laughs> but what this did, just to kind of go back and reminder that survey that was sent out to the community. This was really about not having government say, we know the answers for the citizens and here it is. We wanted to get the feedback from residents and go, okay, what do you want? What do you see as a need? Which then changed everything. So imagine this. So City Hall, I'm sure you're getting to next, but City Hall and the Arts Center, 
the arts component was drawn out of this survey. Mm -hmm. There was an overwhelming desire for arts. I didn't know that. I was ignorant to that. But that's one of the reasons why you ask, right? You ask the questions to find out what people need. So these two things could only have happened because the residents gave their feedback. And you did learn something we from learned, those surveys. We absolutely yeah. learned a lot. So the majority of those things, just so residents can be – they can check. The, I was looking through and we were checking the boxes of pretty much everything except the roller rink. Well, the mayor did uh, show a few renderings to tease a bit uh, as to what the facility might look like. I know you haven't been able – to talk about where it might be located, and we'll not be able to announce that. Right? Will you announce the location of the center when you roll out the uh, yes. the plans? Yes. Okay. So the location, um, it's probably the worst kept secret. I just won't say it on here. I'm sure. I've well, heard. We've all heard rumors. I've yeah. heard. I've heard people, just strangers or others, say, "Well, I know it's going to be blah blah blah." And are they right? Know. So I just will say, Larry, that we will all find out in January, I all believe. Right. Fair, fair enough. Well, yeah, and I know there are reasons that you cannot disclose yeah. it at this point. Uh, I, was, I was very fortunate because the mayor and his staff were kind to me, and they allowed me to go with them as they took a final look and just a tour around City Hall before it was – really the, the day before it was completely torn down. And uh, there are a lot of memories in that building, and there were a couple of members of the staff that got emotional because they have so many things that have happened to them. Uh, it was the town hall that was finished in 1991, so it's been the center of municipal government for a while. Before that, it was a small house that the town of Fishers was working out of. I'm old enough. I, they were still working out of that house when I first moved here, but the town hall came along. So we're going to have, as you mentioned, this art center and city hall. The renderings have been out there. The, the the old city hall has been demolished for a while, and now we've had the groundbreaking. Missed that one too, but I guess it was a pretty cold day. <laughs> for Be that thankful one. you were missing. Was, it. I yes. guess I was yeah. fortunate I missed it there, yeah. but um, it was a windy and cold day. But I do believe that uh, everything I have seen about that, because the mayor, if you ask him about that building. He'll say, it is an art center, and we're putting a few floors of office space above it. That's his view of it. Is that your view? Yes. We never, ever, ever valued a city hall, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to this at all, but city hall is not what we would consider our priority, right? It wasn't our priority. When when I first went into office, the last thing on our mind was demoing city hall and rebuilding some, you know, some – Palace. And the mayor right. said that too, by the way. The mayor, yeah. well, but he's shown it with actions. I mean, there was times where they ran out of space at this the current city hall before it was demolished. And remember when he had some students come work there, the mayor actually set up a folding table out in the hallway <laughs> I for remember his, that for his well. office. I remember that well. And so yeah. it's just not important. You know, the, there's certain things that are important. There's some things that are functionally you have to have. But, and the building was sinking too. And the building was sinking, yeah. right? So, so yes. Art, the primary role of this new building is the arts, and there will be a city hall with it. So has this – I mean, as far as you can tell from your perch as a council president, is the city functioning fine being in various locations right yeah, now? Yeah, it's fine. I don't know the day-to-day because I'm not – you know, I don't work full-time for the city, so I don't know the day-to-day struggles they may have. But as far as I've been able to tell, it's it's fine. Yeah, I want to move on to another – many other issues uh, – the life science industry has discovered 
fishers. You and I have talked about this before. And I remember telling you that, you know, that what I found about that industry and people I talked to is that it's like once you attract one or two of those industries and they like you, the word's going to get around. I think the word has gotten around about fishers. Yes, globally, which can you imagine that? But we were on a call. This was several months ago. Can't get into the details of it, but it was a um, FaceTime, Zoom-type call with South Korea. Mm-hmm. The mayor went to Italy to, you know, to handle certain things with regard to negotiations on, on some other deals. So it's, glo- it's a global impact, um, and it's amazing that we have become an epicenter for life sciences. And uh, uh, by its nature – it is a global industry, and we haven't. You know, we've got these foreign companies who are here, and I think there is, even though it is global. When you look, you talk about a particular industry like life uh, sciences, they all know each other. Yes, and that's how the word gets around. And we have that life science area would be south of 126th Street between 37 and uh, Cumberland, if I got that remember that right. Mm-hmm. And you see the buildings going up, and we have a little space left, don't we? Yes, and that was a risk. So that was oh, a risk yeah. in terms of acquiring that land. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know, we're taking we're, we're taking it. It was almost like you go back in a smaller scale with regard to launch fishers, right? That was a risk when we when we endeavored on that, and yet it just took off. And that was a small risk. I was that like was a small a risk, couple hundred thousand right. dollars. It, yeah, <laughs> it was a risk, but it was a small risk. It was, it was one, yeah. yeah. But then this one, larger one, right? The yard, larger one. Those are type of things where you've got to know pretty much that there's there's a momentum building for those particular industries and life sciences. What I get concerned about is. Where next, right? Like, how do we expand that? Because there is so much desire. And one thing, though, about fishers, uh, especially about Scott, that I appreciate is when you you look at this as a regional thing. Yes, we want to win in fishers, right? But regionally, if you can have health economically regionally, it helps fishers no matter what. Well, you know, I had uh, – Chris Jensen on here with uh, Scott Fadness, and they talked about that very thing and said, you know, I'm going to lose out on some. He's going to win some. But he made it uh, very clear that – should I put this? Uh, You have to attract people to the region. Yes. When they've sold on the region, which for us would be central Indiana, if you're sold on the region, that's the biggest hump. Then we – then, we, yeah, we all compete, but it's uh, like some will get some, you know, Noblesville will get some, Westville will get some, Carmel, then we get our, mm-hmm. our share. We've had uh, more than our share. Chris Jensen kind of said, hey, we lost out on some of those things that you got. Yes, but but he understands that. <laughs> and he does. And, and he yeah. does. He has the same mentality, so I know Chris very well. And he, he has that exact same mentality of, hey, if Fishers wins, quote, unquote, wins a project over Noblesville – it's helping our region, and it helps draw because Noblesville has so much land to develop. They and have we, opportunities we're that running, we don't. We're running out of right, land. That yeah. we don't have. Mm-hmm. So, so this draw globally, right, that focus on fishers, they're going to naturally look, well, what's right next to? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what negotiations they may have going, but those are just natural things that happen. Okay, I'm going to move on to some other issues. At the beginning of this year, I believe it was in January um, – the uh, planning and zoning staff shared with the council a housing study and showed there were housing needs in various parts of the city. It, 
age groups and, and income levels. And uh, and I'll talk about another housing issue, which is corporate ownership of single-family homes. But just going to that study that began the year, there's a lot of data in there, as I recall. Do you expect any council actions as a result of that study? So to follow up on that study, we're going to have a work session for the December council meeting. <clears throat> and we'll we'll begin the dialogue there. I think it's very important in my view. So, you know, I'm council president through the end of this year, um, but even carrying on to our next leadership and and beyond. It's very important for us to get a strategic focus instead of a shotgun effect on housing because there's so many factors that are going into it, especially if there were enough factors before the quote-unquote recession started and inflation and supply chain issues. So the focus really for me goes to the rental piece is that if we can help legislate uh, issues surrounding corporations from owning blocks of homes in our community. Well, let me talk. Let me ask about that. Yes. Let me ask about that specifically yeah. because I remember the mayor had one of his uh, Facebook meetings and he had some experts and a lawyer come in. And the consensus among the people who were on that Facebook Live event was that, you know, the state and federal laws don't help us very much right now. It's the HOAs that have to put the rules in place. Yeah. Now the mayor has, in his state of the city address, said that uh, he has some, he has an idea to move forward, and it would take the council to enact an ordinance. What do, what do we know about? Yeah, that? Yeah, so that's that's coming down the pike soon, um, and we expect resistance there. There will be, you know, I think on the council, I think there's going to be overwhelming support for this. You expect in the industry probably some resistance. However, it's the right thing to do. So when you're, you can't be afraid of sometimes getting into a fight and the the fight for people. The fight, you know, when 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 there's a potential for companies to rent control people out of uh, out of opportunities to live somewhere, that's a problem. I'm not accusing them of that, but I am saying that you know when you see rents escalate at the level they're escalating right now. And they own multiple homes in our community. You should wait till you see the chart uh, diagram of of ownership from companies uh, owning homes in Fishers. It's pretty staggering. And so, you know, we want to look at that and go, how can we do that? that it, the first front line is HOAs. So even my even my where I live, our HOA is going through a vote right now to to try to control this. We're not against. I, or I could say I shouldn't say we. We're, for me, I'm not against somebody owning two homes, three homes. You know what I mean? And having a couple rental. I think that's that's fine. That's there's there's no problem with that. But when you have companies, out of state companies, invest, you know, private equity buying up homes in an area they know is going to be a popular area, and then jacking up rates to where it's the average resident or family can't afford to live in, that's a problem for our community. And the hedge funds have gotten in here and that the profit levels have to be high for them just by the nature of what Correct. what they do. And, the, seen, and then people suffer for that. I've seen some of those charts. I think the public would be surprised yes. to know just how much corporate ownership we have in some of our neighborhoods and even in the condo uh, community where I live, there's always been a cap on the number of uh, – 
of, of rental properties that can be there. It's been there a long time, so I think our, our HOA was ahead of the game. But I think we all need to keep in mind that this is no longer the mom-and-pop rental we know in the past. They're still around, but we're not talking about that. No. As you mentioned, we're talking about something much bigger than that. A lot of other issues. Uh, the mayor made a case for a common nuisance ordinance the past year. Will we see one? Uh, I believe so. So it's so what we're what we're looking at is um, a fine structure, a, a fine structure for uh, businesses where there's nine one one calls coming out relentlessly. I mean, we have some that we won't name the names, but I don't know if you saw the chart. I did. Yeah. Yes. So a large retailer, sixteen hundred nine one one calls within a matter of whatever that time frame was, I think it was a year, maybe mm-hmm. a little longer than that. That's unacceptable. It's just a handful of places that are the problem, right? It's just, yeah, it's just a few. So there's, there, there's motel or mm-hmm. a, a large retailer and that take, that drains our resources. Our police department is not private security for a company. I was in security for 17 years of my life. Mm-hmm. So I know how this works and say the average shoplifter gets picked up. Yes, you should prosecute shoplifting. I'm not debating that. Believe me, I fought that for 17 years to try to get people to stop shoplifting. Um, However, it takes an officer, if they arrest that person and take them up to Noblesville, which is the county jail, and process paperwork, it takes them out of service probably four hours Mm -hmm. out of a Mm 12-hour shift to deal with that one shoplifting incident. But if they're going back over and over and over again to deal with fights or to deal with whatever, you know, spats between employees or whatever. I don't know all the issues. Um, That's not – that's something they need to self-regulate and deal with and and not our city. Well, let's move on to an issue I'm sure you've heard about. 141st Street and State Road 37. I don't live far from there. So it's – in my neighborhood, it's a big issue. And – the engineering department of the city has announced some time ago, actually a few weeks ago, that because of the backups on State Road 37, it is a free flow until you get to 141st. We've had accidents where people just didn't see it coming, you know. And now uh, there'll be a right in, right out that will be installed probably during the uh, Christmas break or the winter break for the schools. Uh, the city's calling this temporary, actually, uh, it, I think interim is the word that was used. There's still an intention to bid this out again in the spring of 23. Uh, how do you feel? Do you think we'll, the city is – I know there's, the engineering department has been working on all the specifications, trying to make sure there are bids out there that, that can come within the budget. Uh, do you think the city's in a position to get that done? Yeah. It, the, the key is we want to make sure – we're managing taxpayer dollars appropriately. And I know there will be f- shots back of that statement saying that there was already cost overruns to begin with. Yes, there were cost overruns. However, the, the last bids for this intersection were unacceptable. And it was such – because of labor is virtually impossible to find at this point, supply chain issues right now. There's, there's a whole host – plus there's all sorts of road projects going on. So you only have a small, a shrinking labor force in that with growing needs in the infrastructure and that plus supply chain issues equate huge premiums to uh, intersections such as this. So 
a temporary relief for the flow of traffic. I know that's frustration for people. However, it is coming. We're getting bids out. We think there's going to be a less, you know, a, an opportunity in the spring to bring those costs down from what we were being proposed. Speaking of roundabouts, uh, do you think the roundabout at 96th and Allisonville will get started in 23? I don't know on that one. Okay. So that's the same. That's one of those things where that's a that's another one of those road projects. I I hope it happens then. I can see it later 23 to early 24 potentially. Uh, I think 141st and 37 has to be a priority because you're right. I mean there's it's 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 causing issues. It's it was not intentional. It was because we just quite frankly could not spend the money that they were that they were requiring, and both the city and the county are both involved, and you would have to involve the county. and And I think at this point, uh, that's happened once. You don't want to go back. Yeah, it's just and it's do not. That again. But it's not. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to exactly. us. It's just. It's just in general. It's not fair to the res taxpayers. It's not fair to the county council and the commissioners. It's not. You know, it, it, it's an untenable pro uh, situation right now where. We can't pay what was being quoted. You may not know much about this, but I'll have to ask you. I'm asking, let me know if you can or cannot. But Verizon has made uh, Fishers one of its uh, first communities to put in 5G towers. And I go to Board of Works meetings on a regular basis, and uh, Verizon was in, and some were accepted, some were not. Now Verizon seems to have completely backed off on 5G towers. Do we know why? I don't. Okay. Um, I do know that there was a lot of resistance uh, during that, and thankfully there was – we had to you know, intercede into some conversations, especially in some communities where they wanted to put a tower in the middle of a – or right by a cul-de-sac that was right by somebody's home, and, and there was some disagreements with that. So I think the fight – my guess would be the fight has been tough for Verizon. They've pulled back, but that's just a guess. Um, last question from me. Mm -hmm. um, you've just announced that uh, you are seeking another term on the council. I'm sure there are some people, young people perhaps, or maybe anyone, who's thinking about getting into politics. And the uh, – yes, I've covered – I started covering politicians in the early 70s off and on. I've been there my whole life, but I've spent some time doing that. And there's no question that the atmosphere around politics is much different now than it has been in the past. And you have to go back that far to, to see that. So my question to you is, if someone's listening to this, considering getting into politics, city council, township, I mean, any level of government you might want to get involved with, what would your advice be at this time? Number one, try to ignore what goes on in the news and on social media with regard to the polarization of our nation. Don't look at that as you have to be one of that, like someone just screaming constantly about something. The greatest uh, changers of policy, the greater, greatest leaders that I have ever seen are the ones that can sit down at a table be presented with issues, sit down with somebody that's on the opposite side and they know they're on the opposite side of things and be able to talk through and find solutions that benefit the, the residents, the community, the taxpayers, and not personally benefiting their portfolio and their fame. 
um, it's embarrassing what I see on a national level. It's embarrassing. I'm, I'm embarrassed constantly. And I feel bad for some of those people because I, I wonder, are they really that way? You know, as a human being, I don't think they are. I think there's showmanship with some of it. I think there's you know, it's what, what they call in politics the red meat you throw on the throw down to try to get people to rally around you for a primary, okay, in your political party. And then when you don't do stuff like that, you're called names. Um, and I think that young people or anybody, quite frankly, that wants to get in politics, we need people that are solution-based. We need people that are pragmatic. We need people that go off of data and facts and not emotions. And if we can do that, we form a more perfect union. When we, if we can do that, we, we will be able to deal with not only issues at home but abroad. You can be reasonable with other nations. You can be reasonable with other, you know, whether whatever the type of um, government exists in those other places. You can be reasonable and carry, you know, what is it? Carry a big stick, so to speak. Speak Teddy softly, Roosevelt. yeah. Speak yeah. softly and carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. You you can do those things without being bombastic. And so I I would just say. Especially young people don't don't view what's going on now as the template of what needs to come in the future. There's a pendulum that swings, and right now we're you know it swings back and forth, and right now we're just kind of in a hyper extreme situation. But it it will level off at some point. That's my hope. That's my prayer. But the only way it levels off is if we get the right people in office, and whether it's Republican, Democrat, or whatever, um, independent or whatever. Um, it needs we need people that want to do things for the right reason. And Todd Zimmerman is going for one more, at least one more term on the Fisher City Council as at large member. So, Todd, uh, you're the current city council president. I assume there'll be a new president next year. So, uh, thank you so much for your time. Always Absolutely. enjoy your generous uh, willingness to come on. To well, podcast. Larry, thank you for what you do for the community. You do this. If, if anybody doesn't know this, I don't think you get any money anywhere from this. No, not <laughs> okay. yet. <laughs> yeah. So, at me, almost at every meeting, you miss the Andretti thing, but yes, uh, um, yes. but almost every meeting, Larry's there and covering things like this and taking his own time. So, Larry, thank you. Well, Todd. Zimmerman, thank you again, and uh, thanks for your time as well. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you'd like to comment on my blog, please do so with any suggestions. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind.